2 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to begin in verse 7 as they get it prepared there on our overhead. Last week I spoke part one of when God is silent. Today I'm going to give you the second part of when God is shh. You don't hear him. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm excited. Verse 7. We'll begin right there. It says, Or because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited or becoming prideful, I should just make an altar call right there. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. For those of you who are translating, no, that's not your husband or your wife. Humorous, yet sometimes people still think that. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sakes, I delight in weaknesses. I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Father, have your way one more time. You may be silent, but Lord, speak loudly in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them, shh. <laughs> then you may be seated. It's funny when you say that now everyone's all quiet, right? Sometimes when the preacher says, tell somebody to hug your neighbor, you're like, Ugh, you know, you get a lot of sounds. And... But when God is silent, we all love whenever we see and whenever we hear about miraculous acts of faith. I mean, when prayer begins to happen and movement and you see it right before your very eyes. I mean, it's just something that is just so awesome. In a month from now, we're gonna have a pastor here by the name of Pastor Tony Kemp. I would advise you, mark it on your calendar, February 8th, be here, bring your family, bring your friends, bring your cousins, bring your enemies. Definitely bring your enemies. Bible says to love your enemies. So if you really wanna love them, bring them, let them get healed and then you can say amen. Man, you're healed. Get out of my life. Amen. No, I was just playing. Don't do that. Take my other anger management series. Listen to that one. All right? Take it on the podcast. There you go. But next month, February the 8th, we're going to have this man by the name of Pastor Tony Camp, and, and he's a powerful, powerful man of God who does uh, signs and wonders. Matter of fact, I know Steve remembers him very clearly. Uh, after that day, if you were not here, if you're, if you're not familiar with Steve Hayes, he's a member of our church who sings on the worship team, and you got to know him because every time we sing and dance, i got to call him up because he dances. Uh, well, if you were to see him on the street, you would think, oh, man, poor Steve, pity Steve. That's just kind of the way our culture thinks when we look at people that we feel might be below us because of a handicap. But if you know Steve, that's not how he operates. He doesn't operate like that, never has and never will because he moves, he talks, he moves, he goes about it. He has his cane, but a cane never has stopped him. And when we had Pastor Tony Kemp here uh, a couple years ago, I saw before my very eyes Steve grow two inches. I think maybe three inches. I don't even know. Was it two or three? Three inches. He grew three inches right at the altar. I saw it. So can't nobody say, well, no, no. I, I saw it. It was with my eyes. I seen it happen. 
I seen, I think it was Sister Erica's back got straightened. Sister Gloria's back got straightened. We seen Josh grew about an inch and a half right before. I was like, wow. I mean, just whenever we see these things, like, wow. Right? You're like, wow, look at, you got to see what God did. There's all times throughout the Bible when miracles happened, and, and all of a sudden the Bible says that uh, fame throughout the region grew about this man named Jesus because people started talking. People started saying things. Why? Because God started operating. Jesus started operating. And when Jesus says things and speaks things, you also want to say something. However, what do you do when God says nothing? When you, I could speak about Steve because I saw it as a man. God spoke loudly. I saw it. But what happens when that doesn't happen all the time? What happens within our lives when God is silent? Many times we even begin to ask ourselves and ask ourselves questions about, you know, did I do something wrong? Was there something within me? Or did God even hear me? Does he even care? about what I'm going through, questions that I know I've asked myself, and I'm sure questions you've even asked yourself because you pray so much, but yet you hear so little. Nothing happens. You know what these are? These are questions that seek answers. Now, I've been saved for over 20 years now, and I want you to know something. I still have questions. I still get a lot of questions. I'm constantly trying to get the mind of God. I always, within me, I want to know why. I don't know how many of you have children, but sometimes when you ask them to do something, their favorite question is, why? Go over there. Why? Eat that. Why? Put this on. Why? Now, the Bible says that I myself and you are a child. So it's natural to have questions of, well, why? Why not? Why can't I do this? Why about that? Why do I got to go? Why, 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 why? And the purpose of questions is to seek the mind that is asking the question. Why are you making me do this? Why are you making me go through this? Sometimes I will get an answer and sometimes I don't. But the more that I seek him, the more I find his ways. The more I find his mind. You know that the mind of God is more important than the hands of God. The mind of God is more important than the hands of God. The mind of God has to do with his ways, but the acts of God have to do with his hands. It's very important that we understand that the ways of God is something that even the Bible says that Moses knew the ways of God while the people knew the acts of God. Those who know the acts of God very rarely what I have found, very rarely have a relationship with God. They know the acts of God. They've seen them happen. But those that know the ways of God, the mind of God, have an intimacy with God. Why? Because they know the purpose. Knowing the purpose of why you're going through, what you're going through is very important. Purpose is very important. Matter of fact, I would dare say that purpose is the most important thing that you need to have within your life. Having a purpose and understanding why is very important to our lives. Somebody once said, the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but the greatest tragedy in life is life without a purpose. Life without a purpose. To me, it's more tragic to be alive and not know why than to be dead and not know life. 
Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. I'm going to say this one more time. Matter of fact, if you can get it on the screen, I didn't give him the scripture, but I'm going to give him a little bit of time. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that will prevail. Many are the plans, many are the purposes, many are the, 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 uh, the ways that you think that you're going about, but I want you to know something. There's only one purpose that's going to prevail, and that's the Lord's purpose. My friend, listen to me. God is more concerned about his purpose than he is about your plans. God is more concerned about his purpose than he is about our plans. God has a purpose for everything. Purpose is defined as this, original intent or the will of a mind, the original reason why something was created. It's the motivation to start something to create it. It's why something exists. It is called purpose. Now, this is what I have learned throughout my years. I have learned that if you don't understand why something was created, you will abuse it. If you don't know why you have something, you will abuse it. If you don't know why you're going through something, you will abuse it. If you do not understand its purpose, you will abuse it. I was watching a video that somebody sent me. It was a, a, a humorous video. It, it cracked me up. It was a daughter uh, who was talking with her dad, and her dad lived in a different generation, and they were cooking. And as they were cooking, they began to cook, and uh, the daughter was there. She was so excited to be cooking in the kitchen with her dad, and the dad's over there chopping up onions, and she's over here chopping up potatoes, and she's like, Dad so excited we're here and they're cooking they're getting things ready and and he's over there chopping getting things together and all of a sudden she goes dad so how'd you like that christmas present i got you how'd you like the ipad and he goes oh loved it loved it loved it, it was great he's like yeah i knew you would love it then all of a sudden he picks up the ipad comes on over and he was cutting celery on it and he began to cut it and he brushes it off then he takes the ipad and he puts it over in the, under the sink and he washes it off. Then he takes the iPad and he puts it inside the dishwasher and he begins to wash it. Then he looks at his daughter and goes, what? I've learned that if you don't understand the purpose of something, you will abuse it. If you don't know why you're going through or what you have, you will abuse it. But my friend, if you understand God's purpose, you will all, if you understand God's purpose will always prevail, your response will change. If you look at the, if we were to look at the Apostle Paul uh, there, we, we, we would ask even at looking at his life so many questions on how he made it through. He endured a lot. On your own time, just read uh, the book of Romans or the, read the uh, first Corinthians or second Corinthians. He went through so much to get through where he went. See, my friend, it doesn't matter how much you and I have accomplished for the cause of Christ, there's gonna be times that it feels like God has turned a deaf ear to our requests. Again, Paul is a perfect example of one who had accomplished a great deal for God, but even for him, there were times that God was shh. Even he, God was silent to Paul. If it happened to Paul, it certainly will happen to you. 
How are you going to respond if this happens within your life? Now, I want to give you six Christ-honoring responses that we read here from 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 12 that I believe are going to help us in these times when we pray. Now, I say this because we have been in prayer this past week. And, man, we had, wasn't Friday, for those of you that are here, wasn't Friday like something just supernatural? It was just awesome. You could see it. You could sense it. You could feel it. However, even for those of you that were here on Friday, we are looking for a reaction from God because of our action in prayer. But sometimes there is a reaction that is not an action. It's called shh. How do I respond when God is silent? Now, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but I know from hearing stories from my mom. My mom grew up Catholic, and she said that every time she used to pass by our church, she had to make sure, okay, wait, turn. You know, our Father, I mean, just Hail Marys. They just had to do it. Now, the thing about what I've learned about certain prayers is that when we pray a lot of times, we don't really expect anything back in certain prayers. And I want you to know something. It's not that the expectation of what God is doing, he's doing nothing. No, God is always up to something. It's just sometimes he's very quiet when he's doing it. Right? There's a quote on, uh, I see on Facebook all the time. The teacher is silent always during the test. And it's true. Sometimes right now some of you are going through a test and you're wondering, hey, well, how come somebody should give me the answer? No. Not going to happen. Matter of fact, God's kingdom is always backwards. You go through it, then you learn the lesson. In school, it's the other way around. The teacher teaches you this big old lesson and says, okay, now let's see what you've learned. But in God's kingdom, nope, take the test. Now let's see if you learned a lesson. It's flipped around. I want to give you six Christ-honoring responses that... I believe will help you as you take this test. Now, if you were here last week, really quickly, I want to give you the first three if you weren't here so that you can, you know, just kind of jot them down, write them down. If you're taking notes, if you don't take notes, I want to challenge you to go ahead and try it. If not, you can listen on our podcast. We have them there. Uh, every, every week we put up our messages. The first Christ-honoring response that I believe we can see here from 2 Corinthians with Paul, is that number one, we are to treat trials as a gift from God. Treat trials as a gift from God. Paul says, it was given to me. See, gifts are to be accepted, and acceptance is the issue. Now, you're probably saying, well, pastor, why a gift? You know why a gift if you understand the trial that you're going through? Because number one, gifts brings joy, and number two, gifts come from people who love you. Gifts bring joy, and coming off a of Christmas season, I'm sure that some of you, you had both gifts. You had the kind of gift that you opened up and you went, uh, oh, thanks. <laughs> I love it. I do. And then you had to fake the funk, right? No, I really do. I really do. Amen. Take her off the Christmas list. She ain't getting nothing next year. Everybody got one of those gifts. But then also everybody got one of those gifts where you're like, what? Oh, my gosh. This is awesome. That was my son's reaction. I'm just giving you my son right there. This is awesome. The crazy thing about Paul is that he began to understand that the thorn in the flesh, the trial that he was going through, 
He didn't have to fake the funk with it. Oh, thanks, God. He understood that the trial that he was going through, the testing he was going through, he said, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. It hurts. I don't like it. It's not pretty. It's a little ugly. But, man, I love what you gave me, God. James says, consider it pure joy, my friend, when you go through trials of many kind. Consider it a gift from God. Right now, if you're here this morning and you came to church because you're like, man, I'm just going through it. There's your gift. <laughs> Accept it. It's yours. Yay. It hurts. Yay. Paul understood that. And it was a gift from God. The second Christ-honoring response is to remember what God has already said. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he said, surpassing great revelations, when God doesn't seem to be saying anything, rest your confidence on what God has already said. Rest your confidence. If you were here last week, I talked about sometimes you even have that song. There's a song that my father used to always talk about that Andre Crouch wrote. He believes that Andre Crouch wrote when he was referring to his times when he was with Victory Outreach. Andre Crouch was the first choir director that we had in Victory Outreach back in 1969, 1970, around that time. He was our choir director. And there was a song that he sang called, Take Me Back. Take me back, dear Lord. To the place where, where I first received you, where you first spoke to me, where you first shared things with me, where I first had that intimacy time with you. Take me back to that time. Because right now, I'm in this time, and let's be honest, God, I'm really not hearing all that much, and I'm kind of going through it a little bit. However, if I can remember what you told me even back then, it brings a refreshing to my soul. Some of you here today, you need a refreshing to your soul. Remember what God told you even way back when. Take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where you revealed yourself to me. Think about some of the surpassing great revelations that God has given to you. Listen, God may be quiet right now, but remember, you need to remember when God was speaking to you loud and clear. When you're in your prayer, Remember, prayer may not change things for you, but it sure changes you for things. The third response that we are to have that I believe we see here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is that we are to continue praying to God. Paul says, three times I pleaded. Paul's prayer was persistent and it was passionate. The word pleaded is translated to the same word described the, the way that Jairus asked for a healing of his daughter. How the leper sought healing for himself. And also how a servant begged his master for mercy over a bill that he owed so that he wouldn't be thrown into prison. Let me ask you a question. How would you pray if you wanted your daughter to get healed? How would you pray if you had leprosy as a disease and you needed to be healed from this dis disease that was destroying your body? How would you pray if you knew that you owed somebody so much money you were about to go to prison? How would you pray? Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that some of you can reflect back to the prayers that many of you had. You weren't even going to church. You didn't even believe in Christ. But all of a sudden, when the officer came knocking on that door, Father God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, just take away that. Anything that I did, oh, forgive me, Lord. Paul says, three times I pleaded. 
Three times. I pleaded. Pleading is not a food prayer. Listen to me. Pleading is not a food prayer. It's consistent, persistent, passionate prayer. The value of consistent prayer is not that he will hear us, but that we will hear him. There's that an acronym, PUSH. Pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. Don't give up praying until something happens either to change your situation or to change you. Listen, my friend, prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. Listen to me. Prayer will change you. Even though you may be asking for a request, God, heal her. God, heal him. Sometimes the prayer is just for you. That God is going to change you. Consistent prayer. Pleading prayer. Listen, those of you that in 2015, you have been praying for things since 2010, 2009, don't stop. Don't stop pushing. Don't stop praying. Don't stop. Tell your neighbor, push. I believe that this year in 2015, some of you guys are going to push. The fourth Christ-honoring response and the first one here this morning that we see from 2 Corinthians with Paul, the fourth one is that we are to listen for God's voice. Listen for God's voice. Paul says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient. In the first few days after the crumble of the Twin Towers, there were specially trained crews that were brought in and they had listening devices that these devices could hear the sound of people trapped inside any rubble. These devices were so sensitive they could pick up a sound of someone crying for help throughout the debris and they were so sensitive that they could hear the sound of a human heartbeat. The purpose of these people, this crew, was not for revenge. The purpose of this crew was not for rebuilding. The purpose of this crew was not even to unite the country in patriotism. Their only concern was to hear the voice. That was it. Their whole purpose was to hear the voice. There are so many noises that are going around uh, that, that, are, that were even going around all around them that it was difficult to hear the one thing that they were needed for. There was heavy equipment moving around, steel debris, beams falling, sirens, and even F-16s were flying overhead. God sometimes has to remove all the other noises from our lives in order for us to be able to hear his voice. We allow so many things to compete for, our, for his attention within our lives. We have become so busy, there's no time and no motivation just to sit down and listen. I remember when I was playing a frost soft basketball. I was in high school, I was a freshman at the time, and I was playing frost soft basketball, and I remember a practice that we had. The coach kept telling me, go baseline. And, and for those of you who may not know, whenever you have somebody and you're taking them on the outside on the three-point line, if the coach is saying go baseline, he's saying go around the pick. Go around, there's a guy, in other words, there's a guy standing here that as you run and try to take your opponent, he's going to hit you if you don't move. So he said, go baseline. Okay, I got it, but I was a freshman. I'm very, you know, in my mind, I'm very fast. I could take anybody, right? I got this, I got this. And so I remember 
I'm taking, we're there practicing, I'm taking them, and the coach is like, go baseline, but I wanted to go around the guy because I wanted to stay with the guy because my, per- this is the way I thought. My thing is, if I could steal the ball, and I steal it and I take it or I knock it out, the guy over there is going to get the ball and I'm going to take off running and he's going to throw it to me and I'm going to lay it up. In my mind, I was dunking, but I, you know, I wasn't Manute Bull, all right? But in my mind, I was dunking, but, you know, that's the way I thought. I could steal it. I got this. I'm fast. I know what I'm doing, right? So I'll never forget at practice, my coach said, go baseline, go baseline. And I'm taking the guy, I'm going, baseline is that way. But for me, I got this. I always had this thing, I'm going to take the ball. I'm going to steal the ball. I didn't really listen to it. I thought if my coach saw what I can do, he'll understand where I can be on the team, right? So go baseline. I got, and I would go around the guy. I would go around the guy. I'd get it. I'd like, I got this. I got this. And I'll never forget one time. We're in practice. We're still doing the same drills, doing the same drills. And all of a sudden, the coach says, go baseline. Now, I saw the guy. I got peripheral vision, right? Pretty good. I got it. Every point guard has to have good peripheral vision. I'll let that leadership catch you right there. And you got to have, so I saw the guy. Not a problem. What I didn't know, what was set up waiting for me. So I remember I'm going, and I got, coach says, go baseline. And I'm ready. I'm going. Now, I thought I had this. Not a problem. So I was ready to go, so I really thought, I'm going to pick this guy, this guy that I'm playing. He's slower than me. I got it. So rather than going side to side like you're supposed to do, I said, I'm going to run because I'm going to pick this guy and I'm going to take off. So I remember, boom, I went to go pick it, and I started running. Now, if you know anything about running, you're not supposed to go full speed. I went full speed, and I saw the guy. I went around him, not a problem. Boom. What I didn't know is that there was a second pick. There was a bigger guy that was standing there. And I went full speed. Yeah, boom. I got the wind knocked out of me. I was on the floor. And all I remember was this. I was on the floor. Now, if you've ever gotten the wind knocked out of you, you know that's not a great feeling. Oh, Lord. All I remember was my coach coming up over off the baseline, came over to me while I was on the floor. He goes, so you're going to listen to me now? (laughs) Sometimes God has to knock the breath out of you just for you to listen to him. So you're going to listen to my voice now? I've been speaking to you this whole time. I've been talking to you this whole time. I've been trying to share something with you this whole time. But sometimes you're like that freshman pastor of Seven Pineda. I got this. I got this. I know what I'm doing. I know know how to. I see it. I see this guy. Yeah, you see that guy, but you don't see the other trial on the other side. God's trying to warn you. Go, Go baseline. Go this way. It's a little bit longer. It's a little bit harder. But trust me, I see everything. I need you to hear my voice. Paul made it very clear. He says, but God spoke to me. God said this to me. Listen to me. While you're going through a trial right now, I know you may not like it. I know that it's getting a little difficult. But my friend, even in the midst of all the difficulties, in the midst of all the debris, I would challenge you. Listen for the voice of God. 
What is God trying to say to you? What is God trying to speak to you? It's very important. He's trying his best. He's trying to get through it all. He's trying to get through all the debris of your work, trying to get through all the debris of, of your job, of your coworker, of your boss, of your mom, of your dad. And there's so many different people trying to speak to you. But God is the one that's trying to warn you and share something with you. But you got to be able to hear the voice of God. Can you listen? Can you hear it? It may be that we have to be on our faces in sorrow and suffering before we are willing to listen to God. God, listen to me, God can even speak through our tears. We got to listen for his voice. Also, when it comes to listening, don't limit where the voice of God can be found. Are you hearing me? Don't limit where the voice of God can be found. The Bible says that Elijah didn't hear it where he expected. He didn't hear it in the great wind. He didn't hear it in the, in the fire. He didn't hear it in the earthquake. In 1 Kings chapter 19, it talks about all these things. There came an earthquake, there came a fire, there came a wind, but yet the Bible says that the Lord was not in the wind. The Lord was not, see, so many times we try to think, okay, God, I'm ready for my healing. I want you to open up this roof because I know you can do it. I want you to open up the roof. I want a beam of light just to come down right on me, just on me, not on her because she's okay. But I know that you're going to put it right on me. God, just open it up. And all of a sudden when you do it, I want like a million angels just to sing, oh, to God be the glory. And I want them to sing just for me. And then as I lift my hands, I want to levitate just a little bit, just not a lot, just a little bit. A little bit more than Chris Angel, because Chris Angel ain't all that. I'm a little bit better. So just put me a little bit. And then I want to lift my hands, and then people can see me. And then they can all sing. And then the great earthquake, and the great wind, and the fire. Just give it to me like that, God. But the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 19 that it was in none of those. It actually says, but here came a whisper, and the Lord was in the whisper. God even used a young boy by the name of Samuel to speak to Eli. See, sometimes we expect God's voice to come a certain way. But sometimes, this is what I've learned with God. Expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. Well, that can't be God's voice. Says who? Well, it has to come like this. There's got to be, you know, there has to be like a million dollars that falls out of the sky and into my life. That's how I'm going to become a millionaire. No, actually, probably you're going to become a millionaire by hard work. Just work hard. How about that? Well, I, you know, my wife, you know, she's, she's going to love me because, you know, I'm awesome. I actually, no, you're, she's going to love you because you love her. Show her love. That's how it will happen. Well, it's going to happen like we have all these expectations of how things are going to happen when really God's voice can come any which way and in any which form. If you're waiting for the miraculous, for God to communicate his message to you, my friend, you're going to probably have a very long wait because God uses everyday occurrences to show us his will. In the middle of crisis, you may hear all kinds of voices telling you what you need to do. God may be saying something to you, but in all the confusion, you can't sort it all out. You can't understand God's message. God's message. One of the principles that I've learned of biblical interpretation is that you interpret difficult or unclear passages by clear passages. 
As you face your struggle, you may feel like you need to go a particular direction, but you are very unsure. Now, this is what I've learned. What are you supposed to do? This is what I do. Go to the Bible. Go to the Bible. Judge what you are feeling by what has already been revealed to you in the Bible. What God says to you in your spirit will never conflict with what God has already said in his word. Are you hearing me? His word has already revealed everything that you need to understand for your situation. A.W. Tozer said, the word of God well understood and religiously obeyed is the shortest route to spiritual perfection. And we must not select a few favorite passages to the exclusion of others. Nothing less than a whole Bible can make a whole Christian. Whoo, I like that right there. Nothing less than a whole Bible can make a whole Christian. Listen to me. I know many times that we're, we're looking and we're listening. Well, well, what about this and what about that? Get into the word of God. This thing will transform and change your life. Far too often, we, we live in an infomercial generation. And what I mean by that is that we, we, we see these infomercials and we get excited by 30 minutes. Now, the thing, this is what I found. The infomercial, the product they're trying to sell you is not for the 30 minutes. Actually, the product is probably going to last you if you're looking at those, those exercise ones. It's like a, a one hour or hour and a half, right, that P90X or different things. They only show it to you for a half hour, and then they talk a whole lot. And then they show it to you, and then they talk a whole lot because they're trying to get you to bite into something of the product that's going to make the whole something. Now, the infomercial generation is that we see it, we buy it, we just don't do it. Oh, look at that. I like that. I want it. I bought it. Look it. Here it is. Open the box. I got to assemble it. I don't want to assemble it. Show me that on the infomercial. Forget it. Put it under my bed. Put it in the closet. Put it in the garage. And we live in an infomercial generation. And sometimes we do that infomercial with the Bible. Oh, that's a good one. I like that passage. I don't like that passage. That ain't a good one. I don't want all those trials. Why well, I got to have a, a messenger of Satan come up? No way. I ain't doing all that. Wait a second. I got to be a disciple. Why, why can't I just go to church? Why I got to be a disciple? I won't be no disciple. Disciples are for crazy, fanatical people. Actually, a disciple is for regular, normal people like you and I. All of us are called to be a disciple. But sometimes we just kind of pick and choose. Oh, I like the part that says go to church and, you know, keep the Sabbath holy. I'll do that. I'll keep the Sabbath holy. But Monday, come on, man. I want to get my groove on. Tuesday, I want to go up on a Tuesday. Come on, man. Can't we go? Can't we do this? Wednesday, what? Come on. with I mean, we could throw a little bit on a Wednesday. Right, right. On Sunday, I'll come back. I'll keep it holy like what, what? See, we, we, we like the nice passages. Nothing short of a whole Bible will make a whole Christian. You get the, the whole thing. William White said this. He said, the Bible is a harp with a thousand strings. Play one to the exclusion of its relationship to the others, and you will develop discord. Play on all of them, keeping them in their places in the divine scale, and you will hear a heavenly music all the time. Get this thing, this Bible. 
Get it inside of you. I will hide thy word in my heart that I might not sin against God. You, you know why we always are telling you, get the Bible, get this thing inside of you? Because, you know, here in church, it's very easy. And this happens all the time, right? Especially those that come and I, I get introduced to new people all the time. And for those of you that if you get introduced to me after and you do this, don't worry about it. It's, it's no big deal, trust me. But I get people all the time, they come, hey, how you doing? Oh, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, an expletive, you know, comes out. Oh, boop. Oh, I'm sorry, my, my bad, my bad. My, 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 my bad, my bad, Pastor, my bad, Pastor. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> See, because in church, we can do that. Because there's kind of like a, a guard here. There's, there's just some of the faith that just kind of rises up and it creates a standard. It's, it's just kind of here. But when you leave here, oh man, and I got a boop and this boop and boop and a boop, 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 boop. Just because that's just the way that it is. The Bible says in this natural habitat that we have, this thing called a body, it says, hide the word in your heart so that you won't be natural all the time. You got to get supernatural. And the word hide doesn't mean peekaboo either. Because sometimes that's what we do. We put the word in here. Oh, no, I, I got a Bible. I, yeah, I got a Bible. No, don't hide a Bible. Hide the word. Because at the right time when you need it and something tries to come against you, is that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. All those that rise up against me shall fall. I, all of a sudden, the promises that God has given you all throughout, when the enemy tries to deceive you and the enemy tries to lie to you, says, you're not going to do it. You, man, you're going to be poor all your life. You ain't never going to be blessed. You ain't never, you ain't, God ain't never going to give you anything. You don't know what you're doing. You have no idea. And then all of a sudden, right there in the middle of 2015, boom, here it comes. No, the word of God says, my Bible says, the word has given me. There's a promise. I heard God's voice clearly. You can't tell me anything. Listen for the voice of God. The fifth Christ-honoring response is that we are to trust in God's power. Trust in God's power. Paul said his power is made perfect. Trust in God's power and not your own. Paul's question in the midst of all this and his reason for even asking God to take this problem away was because he thought that he could have been more effective, a bit, been a more effective servant for God. He could accomplish more for God if God would just heal him. It would just make him all the more powerful. That's what he thought. Take this away. Then I can do a whole lot more for you. Now, I say this because I know that some of you, you're in this situation. If God would just heal me completely, then I could do more for God. But I guess that actually was part of the issue. God wanted Paul to be in a position where he was forced to realize and remember that anything of substance that was accomplished was because of God's power and not Paul's power. Because of God's power and not Paul's power. I say that because a lot of times we get a lot of people that come to church and they come to church already with certain ideals in them that could change this church and flip it all the way around. If you would just listen to my idea, then it would, everything would flow perfectly. Already come in with a skeptic's mentality. I like what Edgar Shayoff said. He said, a skeptic is a person who would ask God for his own ID.
I'm going to let that sink in. A skeptic is a person who would ask God for his very own eye. Wait, 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 wait. How do I know that you really the Messiah? Because there's like a whole lot of them going on around here. So I want to make sure. That's all. Just, just show me some credentials. Then I'll follow you. No credentials. I'll pray about it if I know how to pray. Paul was in a position where the temptation would have been great for him to start to take credit for something, for some of the things that God did and God had accomplished throughout his life. Paul even recognized that the reason that he was given this thorn in the flesh was in order to keep him humble. He needed to remember that he was not battery operated. He was not self-sufficient. He had been plugged into the power source at all times. Far too often, we get a lot of people that come into church with a credit card. I'm not talking about the credit card that you swipe on a magnetic machine that all of a sudden you pay for something. I'm talking about the kind of credit card where any situation comes along and you just go, oh, that was me. I did that. That was all. Oh, yeah. Was it a success? It's because of me. It was a success. If it wasn't for me, and you're constantly swiping these credit cards, oh, I did that. I told them how to do that. Oh, yeah, I, I was the one that did that. It's funny because one time, true story, I was talking with somebody on the streets, and we were wit- I was witnessing to him, talking to him, and all of a sudden he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, Victory Outreach. They used to, the, the Victory Outreach, I was a part of them. I go, oh, really? Yeah, he goes, yeah, yeah. Uh, we used to, this, I'm not making this up. We used to do this drama called Shotgun. And we used to take it all over. I go, really? Wow. Tell me more. I was like, yeah, I remember one time we were over. And he was telling me all these things. I was like, wow, that's. I go, you did that? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he had to kind of like remember who the director was. At the time, it was Eddie. He goes, oh, yeah. And then the director, uh, um, 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 Eddie? Yeah, Eddie, that guy, that guy. And then we were. And he starts going on and going on. I go, wow, that's tight. Now, I'm shaving right now, but when I was witnessing to him, I had, I was growing my beard, so I had a big old beard. I go, wow, that's tight. That's really cool. I go, man, you, you should come check out the church now. They're doing great. He goes, and then he starts going into that mode like, oh, I've already been there, done that. I go, I go wow. I go, you know, I, I think I remember seeing you in Shotgun. I might have been a part of it. And he goes, Really? He goes, yeah, what's your name? I go, my name is Estevan. And he looked at me and goes, oh, dude, why did you tell me? He said, oh, I didn't recognize you with the beard. I go, yeah, you know, I just want to do a little Apostle Paul over here. You know, I don't know. But you should have seen his whole demeanor changed. Everything that he was taking credit for, everything that he was sharing about, I was like, dude, I was right there with you the whole time. And then some. I wrote Shotgun, part two. Like, dude, I was there. I, I know. Far too often we try to take credit for things that we don't need to take credit for. So sometimes God puts you in a situation to say, hey, hey, stop taking credit for that. It wasn't your power. It was mine anyways. You think you accomplished that? No, no, no. It wasn't you. It was me. So sometimes I got to knock you and knock the wind out of you just for you to realize, are you going to listen to me now? 
Are you going to understand that it's not about you? Are you going to get this now? Are you going to understand that I've been trying to get you in a position of where you can understand? And Paul says, I finally get it. I've been, God's been putting me on my knees not to knock me down, but to allow me to reach up and pray to him. Some of you here, you got to realize that God's putting you in a situation to even just to humble you. Putting you in a situation just to humble you. And humbleness puts you in a position to pray. Trusting in God's power when you have none. Now, I say this because you, especially that are going through certain things, I really feel, especially for the single moms, the single moms here, you you have a certain, uh, I would say, ability that nobody else in this whole place has. I don't know what it is about single moms, but man, if I can stay up here clapping for about three hours just for you, I would, because single moms go through so much And so, so many times you go through things and you even ask yourself this question, man, how am I going to do this? You know how? Not in your power, God's. Not in your power, in God's. Some of you right now, you have a condition in your body. And the doctor's even telling you, you're going to be weak for a very long time. And you're like, man, how am I going to go through this? I can't do this. I'm I'm not going to be able to do this. How am I going to do this? Not in your power, in God's. Some of you right now in a situation where it seems like you can't make any changes. How am I going to, and that's how you think. I got to change it. I got to make this happen. I got to do this. I, 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 I. And God's saying, okay, here goes a thorn. Oh, God, take it away. I'm not taking nothing away. But God, this thing hurts. I know it hurts. But God, I know that. Until finally Paul understood. He goes, oh, 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 I get it. Now I know why I've got this thing. Even though I was praying and praying and praying, God wanted to humble me. The moment he accepted the humility, everything changed. When God chooses not to use his power to alleviate the pain, trust in God's power to see you through the pain. The sixth and final Christ-honoring response, as I close here, they can come to the piano. The sixth and final Christ-honoring response is to serve God right where you are. Serve God right where you are. Paul says in verse 10, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. Now, I don't know about you, who in the world delights in weaknesses? Matter of fact, we live in a world that tries to mask our weaknesses, that's what we, we're constantly doing that. We're trying to figure out ways. Don't show my flaws. The latest, uh, I'm telling you, these infomercials are a trip. I wish I was making these things up. I wish I was. It's funny because I've been watching infomercials, as you could tell. I, I like to trip out on things. I saw this infomercial. Please, I'm not making this up. All of a sudden, it shows a 3D image. It's, it's this, this woman. She comes on, and she goes, don't you want to change your body? Don't you want to change the way you look? And all of a sudden, here came a 3D diagram, and all of a sudden, the, the, the guy starts talking to him and goes, don't you know that fat is unattractive? Change yourself and change yourself now. I was like, wait, did that, wait, did he just make fun of me, but yet I want to buy his product at the same time? Like, that, like that's what it does. It's like, wait a second, he just, oh, no, oh, wait, and our mind starts going, wait, maybe it's true. Maybe I'll just accept all the flaws that I have. Maybe I'll accept the fact that my dad's been telling me I'm an idiot 
I'll just be an idiot the rest of my life. Whatever. I'm a dummy. I don't know what I'm doing. No big deal. Paul says, you know what? Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. I understand that I'm weak. I understand that I'm flawed. But in my flaws, that's where I'm made strong. In the weaknesses, listen to me. Some of you right now, you try your best to change your weaknesses. When Paul, if you have the right response, Paul didn't just want to change his weakness. Matter of fact, he says, I delight in my weakness. See, some of you right now, you think, well, I can't get involved in church because, you know, I'm, I'm all messed up, man. I, I, I cuss a lot. I drink a lot. I smoke a lot. I do a lot of this, a lot of that. God can't use me. There's no way. I'll never forget one time we, were, uh, we had a great, powerful altar call in Victory Arch, San Diego. And this, uh, uh, the altar call was, was done, and, and a lady came, and she started talking to Pastor Sonny. Uh, I, I used to always pretend like I'm talking to somebody just so I can listen to Pastor Sonny. I do that all the time. I just stand there like, if this was Pastor Sonny, I'd be talking to somebody like this. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, all the time, because I just wanted to hear, you know, how do you deal with I want to know the mind of how people think. It's just the way that I, how, how did you come to that conclusion? Just don't tell me the fruit. How'd you get the fruit? I like that. How'd you come up with that? And so one time, we're standing there, and he's talking with these people, and then all of a sudden, a new person, a, 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 a husband and a wife, they came up, brand new, first day, and they're there, and she starts talking to Pastor Sunny, oh, Pastor, oh, this and that, and, and she kind of slipped up a little bit, just you know, a little bit, and Pastor Sunny just starts laughing, oh, it's all right, amen. And, but then he goes, so what do you do? He goes, well, she goes, I love to sing. He goes, really? Sing for me. And right on the spot without hesitation. Now, for me, I was like, you want me to sing right now? But she didn't hesitate. She just started singing. Now, I don't remember the song. She started singing. But she just started singing right there. And I just went, man, this lady can sing. You know what Pastor Sonny did? I'll never forget this. He turns around. He goes, Howard. Howard was up on stage. He goes, Howard, come here. He goes, Howard, he goes, hear this, hear this woman. She started singing. And he goes, next week, I want her to sing on the worship team. Just get her up there. Get her up there. Let her sing. Now, wait a second. Just three minutes prior, she slipped up a little bit. See, you and I in our natural habitat, in our natural environment, wait, 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 you messed up. Go get yourself cleaned up. Then you can come. Paul says, I delight in my weaknesses. Look. I'm not always going to be perfect. I'm just not. If that was the case, nobody would ever come on this pulpit and preach. Nobody. Nobody. Maybe my wife. She's actually right there next to perfect. She's like, Paul said, I delight. I can't change my weaknesses. I can't take this thorn out. I just, I'm not going to be perfect. Every time I want God to change my situation, but did you ever think that God has, you, has put you in a situation to use you right in the middle of that situation? God put you there for a reason. Don't ask God to change things until you've looked for and found how you can minister in or be changed by the circumstance that you face. God doesn't do anything without a purpose. His purpose will always prevail. 
I close with this. It's a story of a woman. I don't know if you've heard of her, but I found her on the internet. Her name is Joni Erickson. I want to say this correctly. Joni Erickson Tada or Tada. Tada. And she had her life forever changed in just one day. One day she was diving with some of her friends, and she was a teenager, and she misjudged the depth of the water. She hit her head, and when she went in, she broke her, her neck and her whole, whole spinal cord. She was just a teenager. Now she's destined to live her life as a quadriplegic. She very easily could have given up. She got mad at God, and she got mad at the world for a long time. But then, God did a great work within her life. This is what happened. True story. She took up art. She began to draw, and she began to paint. Now, for those of you that are wondering, wait, she's a quadriplegic. How do you paint? How do you draw? She does it by placing a pencil or a paintbrush in her mouth. And she uses it to produce great artwork. She has, broadened, she has now broadened her ministry. She has produced music and even written books. Now listen, did God heal her? No. God told her no. Instead, he is using her disability to bring glory to himself and encouragement to other people. Listen, my friend. God may not grant your every request. He may not take away your every pain, but he will always be there to gently wrap his arms of love, wipe away your tears, and give us the strength and motivation to live another day. I'm going to ask you here this morning, how are you going to respond when God is silent? How are you going to respond when heaven is silent? How are you going to respond when God says no? God, change her. God, change him. No. God, I need a new job. God, I need a different boss. No. God, if you would just rearrange, if you would just add a couple dollars, then I'll be able to, then I'll be able to do this. I'll be able to do, no. Well, this is not fair. This is not fair. The leaders aren't watching me. I know how to go around the pick. I know how to do this. I'm great at this. I know how to do that. And you can keep going, and you can keep moving, and you can keep going, and you can keep moving, you can keep going, you can keep moving. But I don't know about you. This is what I've learned. I'd rather be hit by Brother Greg than my Heavenly Father. I'd rather get hit by somebody physically than God hits me spiritually. Because when God hits me spiritually, he knocks the wind out of me. And it hurts. It hurts. Some of you right now, you might go through a situation where it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. And you're going to say, God, take this away. I don't like this pain. Why is my son going through it? Why is my daughter going through it? Take this pain away from us. Take it away from my family. Why is this happening? And God's saying, no. But God, but God, but God. Paul understood what it was to say, but God. He finally said, you know what? I'm going to accept the trial as a gift. I'm going to understand that God's been trying to speak to me. I need to hear his voice. 
I'm going to understand that even in my weakness, he is made strong. Some of you here this morning, you need to understand, yeah, you are weak, but it's okay. Accept it. Once you accept it, you could delight in it. See, that's why even sometimes I get it. That's why some of you guys don't like to come up here and dance. I get it. Well, I don't know how to dance. I, don't know. I got two left feet, man. People make fun of me when I dance. I look like a, a weirdo, man. That's why I don't like to dance. All right. The moment you accept the fact that you don't know how to dance, but you know how to worship, it changes everything. It changes everything. For those of you that follow me on social media, right? I don't know how to dance, but I know how to worship. I just know how to worship. See, the problem is we're thinking far too often in the natural. I want to look good for people. I want to make enough money so people can look at me. I want to be, I, I want to have this status like everybody else. I want to have the latest car. I want to have the latest house, the latest gadget, the latest this, the latest that. So people can look and go, wow, look at that. The, the rooftops opened and the beam of light just went on him. Wow, he must be awesome. Man, she's got to be awesome. Look at her. When all of a sudden Paul said, man, I'm tired of people looking at me. I'm tired, wait, I'm, hold on one second. Now I get it. The reason why I'm going through what I'm going through. Some of you, I think, just the last point alone, you got to delight in your weakness. For where you are weak, he is strong. Where you are weak, he is strong. Everything you try to be doing on your own strength, I would challenge you here today. Respond and say, God, I just want to delight in my weakness. For where I'm weak, you are strong. Stand with me here this morning. Hallelujah. The victory is ours. Hallelujah. The victory is ours. Lift your hands with me here this morning if you have the opportunity. If you have the ability to lift your hands, I want to challenge you. Lift your hands just for a few short moments. Just lift your hands for a few short moments. I believe that God has been speaking to many of us and many of you here this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God's been putting many of you in a position. Listen, you got to cut that credit card. Quit trying to take the credit for things that it's not your power anyways. It's not you anyways. You're not that great a preacher. You're not that great of a leader. You're not, listen, it's not you. The greatness of